MJ, and this is the third episode of ADHD in Academia, a podcast where I discuss what I've learned as a student with ADHD in higher education. And for a more formal introduction, you can listen to the first couple of minutes of the very first episode of this podcast. So in this episode, I'm going to discuss how to use the resources available at your university or college that will help you even the playing field for you as a student with ADHD. So first that I want to say, I've been to several different types of schools in the American higher education system from private colleges to state-funded community colleges and universities. So I've experienced a lot of different systems, and I know there isn't going to be any one answer to getting resources at your college or university. But in my experience, uh, the more your tuition costs, or the larger and more state funding your school gets, the better resources you will have available. And that's unfortunate because the most important lesson I've learned in my journey through higher education with an ADHD diagnosis is that accepting help and getting support is like the most important thing you can do. And it took me a long time to accept that this type of help wasn't an advantage over other students or like some type of handout. And this is especially difficult to accept because people with ADHD are often told things like we're just being quote unquote lazy or forgetful or that we're smart, but we're just not living up to our potential. And those are all things that point to it being our fault. These are things that are often said by people who are usually neurotypical in my experience, and they have no idea what it's like to live with ADHD every single day. Unfortunately, I've heard these same things even from like students in my classes who didn't know I was diagnosed with ADHD and they were talking about other students receiving some of the services I was receiving and that I'm going to talk about in this episode. And they would say things like they were just too lazy and too stupid to do the actual work for the class. So I'm not going to sugarcoat this and lie and say that I've completely overcome the guilty feelings I've had about receiving help or services to, to reduce the struggles I have with ADHD in school due to my symptoms. And anytime I hear these type of comments, my internal dialogue often goes back to the way I used to think about myself like all the time before I was diagnosed or knew anything about ADHD. And those thoughts are echoes of these types of comments of like me being lazy or stupid. And at the same time, my brain would throw things out that provide quote-unquote evidence to show that these things are true. And after receiving a lot of support after my diagnosis, I know that, yeah, sometimes I'm lazy, but I'm not like any lazier than an actual neurotypical person is lazy. Like everybody struggles with laziness or uh, mistakes every once in a while. But every once in a while is not the experience that people with ADHD have. And I also have a lot of counter evidence now that I can try to think about in those moments that actually shows I'm a hard worker and I'm not lazy and I'm smart. Um, But a lot of times in those moments, I'll conveniently forget those things because part of me wants to agree with the people that have like no experience or expertise in mental health, right? And are likely biased by society and the views about ADHD that are really prevalent out there. But um, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder. It's recognized by mental health professionals, and they've published a lot of peer-reviewed articles and books on how ADHD makes things harder uh, for those who have the disorder. And I'm talking about things, these things aren't harder for people with neurotypical brains, or they're only harder for them every once in a while when it's normal. Uh, But these are like ongoing struggles for us, and that's the difference. 
And receiving support in any form we can is just a way to remove those barriers that we get from our ADHD brains naturally. And these barriers being removed can help us be on the same level as our neurotypical peers. So you'll notice that I said our brains naturally have these barriers. As I mentioned too, ADHD is called a neurodevelopmental disorder, and that's because we were born with the genes that cause this disorder, and then perhaps there were environmental triggers that made it worse. We didn't do anything to cause this. It seems like a simple concept, but with the misunderstandings out there about ADHD and just them being so common everywhere, in my experience at least, even among some health prof- mental health professionals, it's very easy to forget that simple fact, the simple facts about ADHD and to blame ourselves. And I'm of course not saying that that's a reason or like an excuse to not get better at the things that we struggle with because of ADHD. But without that basic understanding, it's really hard to get past that barrier of like accepting help and actually getting better at those things. All right. So now that I'm done with that long spiel about why you shouldn't feel guilty uh, and hopefully motivate you to go and get some support and help, I'm going to talk about how we're actually going to do it. So first, you have to have an ADHD diagnosis to get help through the Disability Services Center. That might seem easy or obvious, but given what I've already discussed with the misconceptions about ADHD floating around out there, it can actually be a pretty bumpy process. And it's important to get the right diagnosis here as well, because there are other diagnoses that look a lot like ADHD and vice versa. And a medical or a mental health professional is required for an ADHD diagnosis for that reason. I am not a medical or mental health professional by any means, so definitely and don't listen to um, like a podcast or read something and then assume you can get, get the resources. You have to go to a mental health professional or a medical professional. And as I mentioned earlier, the level of services at your college or university vary, but most schools I've been to Uh, even with very little funding, have some kind of counseling center or disability services center. And a good way to find out if your school has these services and what they exactly are, you need to get in touch with the people in those uh, departments. And you can do that just by like Googling the name of your school and counseling center or disability resources or center services. And there should be information somewhere in your school's website that lists like their location, number, email, and whatever else you might need to start getting services. And if you're not diagnosed yet, you can probably you should probably contact the counseling center first to set up an appointment. So if you suspect you have ADHD, you can discuss this with the counseling staff and they can likely discuss the different symptoms you have and whether or not these are due to ADHD or another disorder, which I mentioned before, or it could be a combination of things. And I just made that process sound pretty easy, um, but I know from being in different ADHD communities that it's absolutely not an easy process, which is unfortunate. And the reason, again, is um, probably because there are a lot of misconceptions about ADHD. I've even been diagnosed for a little while now and have moved and I'm getting services through a different provider in a different school. And the first provider I saw out here doubted my diagnosis about two sentences into our conversation, even after I had been diagnosed and like had the paperwork for that. So unfortunately, this is the reality of our situation right now. I'm really hoping that it changes in the future, but right now we just have to deal with it. And I'm going to talk about this later, but ADHDers, ADHDers are really resilient. So honestly, if anybody's going to deal with it, at least it's our group of people because I know we can get through it. And I think one of the reasons 
that it could be especially common, these misconceptions in a university setting, is there's this great fear that people are seeking stimulant drugs, which is one of the treatment options for ADHD. And that's an unfortunate part of this process is that, of course, you probably know that stimulant drugs are like sold illegally outside of somebody having them as a prescription. So there is a lot of care taken around that, and for good reason, because if you don't actually have um, this diagnosis, or like say you do and you're getting them illegally and you don't have somebody there to help you understand what, what type of dose you need and how you should take it, like you can have really bad effects from that. Um, so it's important to realize that and realize that maybe some of or pushback you might get from some people in, at the university level especially uh, might be in response to that. Okay, so in addition, I also want to talk about what it might be like to go into uh, an appointment for the first time and what you should do because obviously I think a lot of people are nervous going in because they're worried maybe their provider is going to assume that they're just drug seeking or whatever. And I definitely think it's just important to be really honest in these situations. And it's also a good idea to have some background knowledge about ADHD and the symptoms, which you probably already have if you suspect you might have ADHD you're going to probably be asked to fill out a questionnaire, which helps the mental health provider assess the severity of symptoms and your behaviors and things like that, and, if, and will help them determine if they relate to ADHD or if maybe you're suffering from another disorder or maybe a combination. So that's another thing that's pretty difficult because uh, we have a hard time assessing ourselves. And that's another thing that you can perhaps do some background hunting for first to really think about how you describe what you think your symptoms are uh, and what types of behaviors and consequences are happening as a result. Uh, I remember that just being really difficult for me when I was discussing this with my mental health provider for the first time. Um, they ask you certain things that you're I don't know. You just, it's hard to like see that it's different from normal behavior because it's your behavior all the time. So them asking you to kind of like give a severity level to me, a lot of the stuff is like, well, I don't know. It's not that bad. I, I do it every day. So that's, um, it's just, yeah, it's hard to assess yourself for so many reasons. And that's kind of a big one. And it, that's like known as part of ADHD too, like people who are experts on ADHD have described that. So just keep that in mind that something that you might not even really recognize um, could be something to talk about with your mental health provider. And hopefully they'll ask you questions that will help you describe things a little bit better and help them understand uh, exactly what your symptoms are and how they're affecting you. So I'm going to share um, some websites that you can go to to kind of look at some of this information and help you also feel probably like less anxiety and stress about the appointment if you've kind of read some of this stuff already uh, as well to kind of prepare in a way. But of course, I'm not saying at all that you should like read about what ADHD symptoms are and then like say that you have them. That's definitely not what I'm suggesting. But I think if I hadn't had some background knowledge going into my appointment, uh, it would have been even harder for me to assess myself. And I already had a really hard time. 
So anyway, um, another thing I want to point out is that like, there are a lot of resources out there that are clearly not written by people with ADHD. And those are the ones that are hardest for me to like pick out and be like, yes, that's something that I do and causes me a lot of problems. I just like honestly don't understand some of the wording and stuff just doesn't really apply to exactly what I think is going on uh, in terms of like my symptoms and behaviors and what's happening as a result. So but some of them definitely have people who, who are have ADHD on their staff, uh, and that's pretty apparent, I think, sometimes. But anyway, uh, there are definitely great information on all the sites regardless, and one of them I'll point out is, like, my favorite one because I just really feel like a lot of the material was probably written by people with ADHD. So anyway, the first one, though, is um, chad, C-H-A-D-D dot org, and aacap.org is another one. And then Attitude Magazine, you may have heard of, it's spelled like A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E, A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E, mag, I'm sorry, M-A-G dot com. And I'll put all these in the show notes as well. And then I saved my favorite one that I was talking about before for last, which is totally A-D-D-T-O-T-L-A, oh my God, T-O-T-A-L-L-Y-A-D-D dot com. And yeah, that's my favorite one. Uh, I just really, a lot of the material just really resonated with me and helped me see how my ADHD symptoms were like panning out and how they were affecting my life and really like what exactly they looked like on a day-to-day basis. So I also want to say some of these sites might have some information on them that are that's behind a paywall. And I'm not saying that information and support is not worth paying for. Definitely not saying that at all. There are a lot of instances that it's worth like absolutely every penny, but I understand uh, as a student, I've been a student for a while that money is definitely a limiting factor in um, support that we get, at least in my experience and a lot of people I know is experience. So any information you would need to kind of like feel better about preparing for an initial appointment is going to be free on these sites. So don't feel obligated to pay for anything. Of course, if you have extra money as a student, I don't know how that could be possible, but feel free to pay for stuff if you have money laying around, if you feel like it's worth it to you. And lastly, again, if you're open and honest at the appointment and your mental health professional asks you a lot of questions and is also being open and honest with you and you feel comfortable and they're just trying to assess you um, as they should be and tells you that you have another disorder, then definitely listen to them and what their input is and and ask them on how to get resources and help with that disorder. As I mentioned, I'm not a mental health professional, so I can't say what other resources you might need that aren't related to ADHD. I've also been diagnosed with OCD as well, which is a pretty common um, diagnosis to have along with ADHD. But that's definitely not what this episode is about, but maybe a future episode I can talk about that a little bit more. So now again, another caveat, this whole process is that your counseling center may not have the ability to fully treat and diagnose you there because like I said, there are various levels of um, support for these centers and then also various levels of mental health professionals that are allowed to like do certain things, which I'm not not going to go into the details of, but just as an example, this one's pretty common that they might be able to help you out with like coaching and counseling and things like that, but they may not be able to provide you to prescribe you medication. So if that's the case, they'll very likely tell you that that's an option and ask you if that's something you're interested in. And um, there's definitely like 
There are other medications other than stimulant medications, if that's something you're not interested in, and they will be able to give you the resource the resources you need to get what get what you're looking for in terms of treatment options. So yeah, again, this whole process is not very ADHD friendly. There are a lot of steps to it. Um, it's quite frankly a pain in the butt, and I struggled with the whole process. It took me a while. I showed up late to appointments or missed appointments, and that made it take longer. I mean, it's just, it's all, it's all just in a day's work, I guess. Just try to keep doing it. As I said before, we're a resilient bunch. So even if you miss one day or whatever, just try again the next day. And yeah. Okay. And the next um, thing I'm very excited to talk about is the Disability Services Center, Disability Resource Center, Disability Resource Services Center, many names. Everyone I've been to in my experience in higher education, the staff is absolutely amazing. I guess I have a very high suspicion that that's the case and like all of them are very close to all of them. All that like stigma and doubt I was talking about earlier that you might experience outside of the Disability Services Center office is just not even present like one little bit. They're just so helpful and not non-judgmental and just yeah really please contact them. If you are able to get these to get that resource and um, let them help you out, so the services again are going to be different at every school, most likely. But some common accommodations that you'll um, see or hear about people getting with ADHD are that you will probably be able to record lectures. Like even if the professor doesn't want you to, they pretty much don't really have a choice if the disability services tells them that you're allowed to record lectures. Uh, but again, most professors are pretty understanding and will let you record lectures if you ask them. And they might even like let you put a recording device closer to them too so you can hear them better, uh, which is awesome. So definitely a good conversation to have. And there are other common resources you can get are potentially getting lecture notes taken for you. I mean, I'm, that's not like don't take your own lecture notes or don't go to class, but that's just somebody else also providing you with their notes and they're like a note taker for that class. So they have a lot of good motivation to do a good job and they usually have to be a pretty good student. And also sometimes having like longer on tests, which are, those are all things that I took advantage of uh, when I went to the Disability Services Center. And I've also actually been a note taker for the Disability Service Center, which surprises some people because of my ADHD diagnosis, but it actually really helped me to take responsibility for like listening to my recordings again and reviewing my class notes and uh, not to brag or anything, but just like hopefully provide motivation to other people. This helped me, that process of me taking notes definitely helped me um, get an A in organic chemistry. So yeah, I have ADHD and I got an A in organic chemistry. I'm telling you like the Disability Service Center is awesome, and it can help you do better in classes. <laughs> so, um, And they probably have other things, too, to offer. Some other things I've heard of are, like, smart pens or, like, note-taking software. And, yeah, I'm just going to keep going on about how great they are because they, they're, like, constantly looking for, like, these cool things that might help students. So they help students with, like, all kinds of different disabilities and challenges. They really want people who have these challenges to just be on the same level as a neurotypical student to have the same chance in higher education, which is something I really appreciate. <laughs> and I know during the pandemic right now, they're doing most things virtually, and they have workshops and, and support groups and things like that that I've seen. And I'm saying that 
um, because I haven't done any of them. (laughs) So I definitely need to kind of like take my own advice and get on that and take advantage of some of those resources I have available to me. So I'm going to put that task on myself right now. Between now and the next episode, I'm going to check out and sign up for like a workshop or support group or something. I definitely think now that I'm talking about it too, it will really help me out because virtual classes have been a struggle for me and a struggle for a lot of people. So I'm going to commit to getting registered for one of those. And I'm asking you guys do the same if you're able to get your resources through the Disabilities Service Center. And if you don't have uh, an ADHD ADHD diagnosis yet, then your task is to contact your counseling services center and uh, get an appointment made. Or I also didn't mention this, but if you have like private insurance or something through your parents, you might be able to, or maybe are, are already going to a therapist or a psychiatrist or something like that and can maybe talk to them about this as well. All right, cool. I uh, need to be done talking for a little bit. So I'm going to end the episode here and that's all I had anyway. But um yeah, I'm just going to remind you to contact your counseling and or disability service center on campus as soon as possible. And then I also want to end with saying that if you're listening to this and that means you're probably doing other things as well to get help with your ADHD symptoms and that you're amazing. You're an amazing student no matter what anyone says. Um, it takes a lot of effort to think about and learn these things. And I've, I've mentioned it before, and I've lot, heard a lot of other people say this, that ADHDers are pretty resilient, and I agree with that 100%. There's so many things we have to deal with every day, and that makes so many little things and big things harder, and being able to understand that and get what you need despite these difficulties and always trying again when something doesn't work or it fails, it's resilient. So I want to remind you that you are a resilient and amazing person and student and you can get the help you need to do well in higher education and like in the rest of your life, no matter what you want to do. So I'm really done now. And I want to say thank you to Avocado Junkie for the intro and outro music to this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.